We start today's show with the news that Gina Carano has been fired by Lucasfilm after a series of hateful social media posts in recent months. I'm certainly not going to give any sort of voice to the hateful statements that she's issued, ranging from transphobic uh, endorsements of violence against political rivals and ultimately culminating in anti-Semitic bad faith rhetoric. But I do feel as though Lucasfilm's statement regarding to her firing summarizes it pretty well. Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. It should be noted that Carano was also dropped by her talent agency and that there are consequences to actions. And this was certainly a long time coming. As a show, we certainly condemn the things that Carano has said. And personally, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that in our attempts to make the show a lighthearted, fun and silly escape from the crushing pressures of life, that we have not always been as vocal and supportive to our allies, uh, to those who have been marginalized by hateful thoughts and actions. And, you know, I'm sorry for that. I think we all feel that way. There are steps we can take to make this show more inclusive, and there are further steps that I can take as the owner of Reggie's House Podcast Network to amplify the voices of those who have been unheard for too long, and I plan to make good on that promise. Star Wars is a story rooted in the reality that the fight for equality is ongoing, and it always has been. There's no place for hatred in this community. Andrew. <laughs> yes, Connor. Did you hear about uh, Pedro Pascali? Uh, yes. I think I know what you're talking about. He opened his own pizza shop? That's right. <laughs> That's Pasquale. Sorry. That's, That's right. a Chuck E. Cheese reference. No, uh, Pedro, he's going to be Joel, buddy. Joel in The Last of Us oh. adaptation. Oh, my gosh. And also, he's gonna, apparently, he's going to be joined by another Game of Thrones alum. None yes. other than, uh, oh, what was her name? Lady the, Mormont. Lady Mormont, the, the, the bear cub or whatever. Yes. She had some kind of like epic name. I know that. But the, the Mormonts were the bears, yes. weren't they? Uh, yeah, they or are. something like that. They are okay. the bears. Because well, that's, that's where um, Longclaw originally comes from. And it right. had a, a bear head. Yes. And then, and then he changed it into a wolf with the ruby eyes. Yes. Oh, yes. goodness. Duh, bears. Duh, bears. So we got Bella Ramsey playing Ellie. That's so cool. I, yes. I mean, like, I... I, I'm trying to remember how old she was in the finale because I know that she made it to like the final season and everything like that. I, f- I have to imagine she was early teens, probably. But so. even to this point now, like I feel like Ellie was what I don't know, they like 14, 15 in the first game, somewhere in that you know? neck of the woods. So sure, she could definitely like. I, I'm excited to see what they could do together. I'm excited to hear uh, Pedro Pascal's Southern Texan drawl. Yes, you know what I mean. I'm, so. I'm just glad that he continues to get to be a dad. Well, that's also true. They they a saw dad. They saw yeah. They saw how well he did with one child. They're yeah. like, you know what? We're just gonna keep we're this gonna, going. Yeah, we're gonna give you some more. <laughs> well, speaking of more, it's oots up, Puta, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. My name's Connor. I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even freaking related to Star Wars. And today, gang. We're back at it. And not, other than, not only that, we're back at it with a, another book review. We're back at our book club book review. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Here we are again. Yes. Uh, and uh, what better book to do today than uh, Star Wars from a Certain Point of View, 
Empire Strikes Back. That's right. 40 short stories by 40 short authors. You don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know that we can confirm that, guys. <laughs> well, the, we can't back that up. There is, there's, an, uh, there's an old uh, CD out there. That I, I still own <laughs> short, short music, music for, for short people. people. <laughs> I mean, come on. 100 songs by 100 bands. For all you know, they're short people. You never know that. But still, this is amazing. Now, I, we, we reviewed the first book, I believe. We did, yes. We did. Okay, so uh, to get the concept uh, back into the head, like I said, it's 40 short stories all told for the, from the perspective of background characters. Yes, with um, a couple of exceptions, I guess. Yes, there, I mean, there are some actual like main storyline characters that like, this is more of their uh, inner thoughts and dialogue and stuff like that. Characters we have seen on, on screen, other mm-hmm. characters we haven't. Right. Uh, and we're going to be going through and kind of talking about our favorite ones. And also, we're going to be trying to sell this book to none other than our favorite producer in the world. Brian, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, to hear about this. You're excited to hear about, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back, 40 short stories for 40 short people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'm going to keep saying say? that as fast as I can. I take that personally. All right. I'm sorry. You know I am, what? I, I, I am t- far shorter than anybody else in this space right now. That's so. fair. You can, uh, you're, you're, uh, economically sound or a con i don't know <laughs> whatever i don't know what the hell i'm saying was he fun sized yes i didn't want to say it that way but yes he, i just watched austin powers last night <laughs> the second like, one so what the, the whole diatribe about he's he's wonderful and he fits easily into most overhead storage, storage. bins <laughs> all right but still this is a this is a pretty incredible book in its own way uh, i mean just based off of the first one i um, i had a great time going through the first one I think the second one was a little more of a slog, uh, to be fair. Yeah, I can go along with that uh, for a couple of different reasons. I mean, I think the first part is that even though obviously like Empire Strikes Back is a much bigger film in a sense, Mm -hmm. there's arguably less people in it. Yes. You know, it is kind of a lot of the actions focus on these very small groups. Well, we've we've said as much coming into the idea of when this book was coming out, like where they were going to go with characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at uh, A New Hope and just the cantina alone provided a majority of <laughs> yeah. the book. Yeah, that was probably know. like, you know, that might have, it started about a quarter of the way in and it probably covered until at least two thirds of the way through. <laughs> It's it was it was pretty ridiculous, and that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what this book does. And then you have like the whole like conference room with all the imperial officers. And each so one has their own dialogue. Many, yeah, many perspectives there. The uh, the incident report. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was choked for my personal beliefs, or something <laughs> like that. So I mean, but even to that end, there are some funny stories. There's some like harrowing stories, uh, just heartbreak and stuff like that. But you know. Like Star Wars does, especially with uh, its literary media, they uh, they like to prop up a good story and keep you coming back for more. And this is that perfect kind of book to do it. Uh, so what we're going to do today to kind of you know get everyone's interest in it and kind of go over our own review of it, we're going to talk about a few notable stories uh, from either like we don't have it's not necessarily a top five. Right. We're not not we're not ranking them five to one, but these are five stories that stood out for both Andrew and myself. Yeah. So basically, I wrote my notes mm-hmm. in the order of where they appear chronologically. I think that's appropriate. That and way we can both kind of go through it. Exactly. And, and hopefully that will help you, the listener, kind of get a better vibe for where we are in the story yes. and where the story's at. Oh. One thing I will point out before we jump into the actual stories sure. um, that I, I guess I knew this, but I wasn't certain that I knew this, is that with these stories, both the original and this one, mm-hmm. all the proceeds go to charity. 
I think I remember reading oh, that about rules. that. Yeah, yeah it's because it. I mean, because it being such an epic thing, you can't. I mean, you can imagine like the paycheck wouldn't go to one person. You know what I mean? Like we were already saying, there's 40 different authors you're dealing with, plus all the different narrators and everything for the audiobook and everything. I think that's a very noble thing to do. And, and this is it's a great project to get under someone's boot too, because this is a very inclusive project. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's, especially with this one, or like this time around, like they're they're just filling the market that much more <laughs> with inclusivity. And like you'll, I mean, we'll get into it. I, yeah. I, there are a couple that I, I, I wanted to bring up, but and I, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's certainly we see some of like those same kind of uh, Lucas film story writers, um, you know, that have done numbers of novels over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of new names that I'm not familiar with, and and it's like, all right, I want to learn more about person x exactly well so to that end uh before we jump into it this is the last chance for anyone who wants to pick up the books themselves we will be talking a little bit of spoilers for certain (laughs) stories but nothing we're not going to spoil the overall arc i don't want i if i can help it i'm not going to (laughs) but if i do or if we do i don't know not to mention all of these stories are affiliated with a movie that came out more than 40 years ago (laughs) that's your own problem (laughs) look this thing this is you took the words out of my mouth (laughs) this is what the book's all about and this is like the idea of like i always wonder what it would be like to be a fly on the wall during these epic moments and that's exactly what this story is exactly you know so or these stories will be so i really just want to please tell me spoil this for me right before we get before we get into it Tell me that there's a story from the point of view of the, the person who cleans out like the trash chute and finds Luke's hand. Oh, <laughs> no. No, okay. Yeah. Right. Like, I personally. Well, was I'm like... no longer interested in this book. <laughs> there, there was, all the stories, I yeah. figured something like that would have been necessary. There was, there is one, and we might touch on it, that I thought might end up there. Yeah. Uh, kind I don't of know leading you, that way. Yeah. But then it. It doesn't go that far. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. We'll get to it. Yes. But so, yeah, that's last chance before we go into it. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Andrew, would yes. you like to start us off? I will start us off. My first cultivated story here is Kendall Ooh. by Charles Yu. Okay. So this one is on my list as well, but please take the lead. Okay. Then it, when we have over, overlap like this, we're just going to give it double the time. Yes. Oh, there it. we go. Exactly. So, so, so this story is the sad, final, fleeting, insane thoughts of Admiral Kendall Ozzel. The, the gentleman who jumped out of light. He came out of light speed way too early. Yes. Too close to the system. Too close to the system. And he gets choked out by Lord Vader after failing him for the last time. My Lord, there are... So many planets. <laughs> what does he say? He's like, there are so many uncharted systems. Yes. How could we possibly know? Yeah. This is the one. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. he has a very snooty mustache and everything. You know. He does. Yes. <laughs> but, all right, so I I remember we actually, before we even came back to this, and we were talking about the book as we were both going through it, I remember this story stood out for you in particular. Yes. Now, going back and listening to it again, um, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think I uh, just... I think anyone trying to write, I mean, it, it, the, I hate to sound morbid about it, but like the final moments of somebody, <laughs> like it's already going to be impactful in some way, yes. you know, especially if you're trying to give it some length. And that's exactly what they do here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a point where I think you could even say that the story is going through like the five stages of grief or something like that, because yeah. it's just, there's denial and, you know, bargaining and blah, blah, blah. And like, 
at one point, Kendall, in his inner thoughts, is thinking, you know, oh, there's he's going to let go, and this is going to be punishment well deserved. Yes. But he doesn't let go. He's just going to keep going. Right. And uh, and it also starts messing with his head, and I think that's where and it, yeah, it leads memories. to this insanity that like he can't remember this kind of simple thought about his childhood basically yes. there's and there's this one thought that's like a shining moment and he's trying to bring it together before his, he like wins his out. rosebud moment exactly <laughs> that's what it is that's a very that's a very inapt way of looking at it it's, it's a rose he's trying to just put his name to it yeah before he drops the the snow globe so to speak you know but yeah <laughs> yeah so it's just i mean it was just super impactful and it really stayed with me i mean obviously this is not a character that you're supposed to feel sorry for. <laughs> I don't even know that this story necessarily makes you think differently about the character. When he like even so much though, like the inner dialogue doesn't make you love him that much more. Yeah. You just kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah. Which is I feel like when you're writing about most imperial officers, that's usually how it comes off. Yeah. Either they realize the error of their ways and they turn rebellious, or mm. they don't and they're like they're defiant to the end. Right. And that's kind of how Ozel is. Yeah. And like, I, I know that Ozel's kind of always a, a point of not contention, but like, he is a focal point for fun. Yeah. Because he is one of like the first people to just up and die. Well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly his death is an indicator of where this story is going compared to, like, you know, Star Wars. Yes. And even so much the fact that like, it's an embarrassment how he dies. Right. He doesn't have the dignity to be in the same room, yeah. let alone on the same yeah. ship. <laughs> yeah. Choked out via zoom call. It's not. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> like, you are now in command. Admiral Piet. And that's, yeah. you know, it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I don't want to like kind of spoil this in any way or whatever, but like I would say in general, there's probably like five groupings, so to speak, of like where, like what types of stories we get. Yeah. Because we get a bunch with Imperial officers. Yes. We get a bunch with the bounty hunters. Yes. As you can imagine, there's obviously <laughs> like. You're following then, everyone's perspective almost, like everyone who's in the lineup. Yeah. Then you have like the uh, like actual rebels on Echo Hoth. Base, on Hoth, and then you get. Um, Cloud, City. Cloud City stories, and then everything else is kind of like a miscellaneous. Yeah, I, I would mean, say I would have said Dagobah, but I'd say there's only a handful. There's only a handful everywhere yeah. else. Like you, there's not as many, but you still um, learn a little more about it, which I appreciate but for sure. We're going ahead of ourselves. Yeah, and I would just say <laughs> that generally speaking, though, like I think I enjoyed the Imperial officer stories, like as a collective group, the most. Yes, well, I mean, it's always it's always interesting to because it's. It, you're always fed the story of hope, the story of, you know, rebellion, you know, and that's kind of the, the side you're always supposed to root for. Right. And it's stories like Kendall's where you're like, you know what, this is a, a whole new perspective. I had no idea even existed. And that just makes it that much more impactful. I, mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't mind my, my next choice, sure. my, uh, my first choice or whatever, I don't know. We're Is not, we're not okay? ranking this <laughs> hunger by Mark Oshiro. Aha. Uh -huh. Uh, it is the story of the Wampa. Yes. Uh, the Wampa who ultimately has a bad ending with uh, Luke, but it's his story of how he, him and his whole herd or uh, pride, I don't know exactly what he calls it, his family. His murder of Wampas. <laughs> <laughs> they all reside in these awesome cave tunnels, and he's like, I'm going to go out and get some food. I'll be right back. And then he comes back, and it's all taken over by... 
uh, hairless creatures, and he doesn't understand how it works. And the hairless creatures have flashing light guns. It's it's the rebellion. They took over. Echo Base was the Wampa. wait. It's the rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> so that's and it's his whole story of like him surviving in the snow and finding Luke and everything like that. Also, just to add to it, the narration of this book or the narration of this story is by none other than Sam Witwer, the man who does. Darth Maul. Nice. So you can imagine what kind of menace he brings to his narration yeah. already. Like he's not narrating like inner, th- he is narrating inner thoughts of the Wampa, but he's not like, Roar, I'm a Wampa. Like he's not doing it something like that. <laughs> like he actually has, I mean like the Wampa is already an intimidating character. Yes. And then you add someone who has this sinister voice behind it and like just what he's going through and the emotion that he's feeling. Cause it's not all anger. It's like mean, some of it's fear, some of it's sadness. Like it's pretty gripping. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's one of those stories where it kind of caught me off guard. Like, I kind of knew they were going to go this way. Because we, we said it right at the beginning. There's not enough people to really make 40 short stories. So, obviously, they're going to go towards creatures. Yes. Yeah, they do include a number of creatures. Yes, I love it. <laughs> um, no, I, I fully agree with that choice. And I think what's really interesting there is, obviously, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people know that originally there was this concept of there being like a fight between the rebels and the wampas. Yes. And basically this is kind of recanonizing that story idea. Yeah. Except this is the wampa that came back and found out they were all gone. They were gone. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's emotional in some ways. It is. Where are the cubs? Yes. Where are my cubs? Well, so yeah, Yes. (laughs) that's me. Hunger by Mark Ashiro. I, yeah, I agree with that. And I, that was a near miss for me. So. Yeah? Yeah. I would have figured it was on your list. What is on your list? What's next? So next, I have The Truest Duty by oh, Christy Golden. Is this another? Oh, is it, it is. It is another oh. officer, Imperial officer story. Wow. This is the story of the one and only competent Imperial <laughs> officer in the history of the entire empire, one General Viz. Maximilian Viz. Oh, our man. What a what, name. Another Game of Thrones alum, too, for yes, that matter. Julian Glover, uh, what? who played Mas- Maester Picel. I was going to say Pius. That's wrong. Yeah, Picel's also fan, you know, known for his... Indiana uh, Jones. Yeah, for Indiana Jones. He's the guy well. who turned into a skeleton because he yes. drank from the wrong cup. He chose poorly, yes. in other words. Exactly. But still, so give us a little bit of feedback on this. It's the truest duty. Is that what you said it was? Uh, yes. <laughs> duty. <laughs> <laughs> So this story, uh, it detail. It's basically just the thought process of General Veers as he's leading the assault on Echo Base uh-huh. on Hoth, and of course, because he's the only competent Imperial that we ever encounter, he dies at the end. Oh yeah, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. But that's like, that's known. That's been the. But case it's still for like it, there's there's a, there's a whole process going through his thing where it's like, of course, Ozl had to die. He was he was a he messed it all up like you know he knew this was coming out of the we should have came he was the one who he was like the impetus behind being like well uh the admiral thought it was uh you know the element of surprise was a good idea like he name drops ozzle so it's like well this was ozzle's fault not my fault and he's yeah. like that's what gets ozzle killed more or less <laughs> well and there you is know? yeah there's very much this kind of sentiment between all of the officers that we get stories from we also i mean good one from piet yeah we also get one from from Admiral Firmus Piet. I love it. Uh, yeah. And Sloan. I forgot yeah, and, Sloan's And eventually we also get Commodore. She's Commodore at that point. Ray yeah. Sloan. Um, she got bunked back down. Yes. 
I will say neither of those are on my list. I Fair didn't enough. just pick Imperial. No, no, it's it, I, I sensed the mood coming, so you, I'm glad you cleared it up. <laughs> but uh, but there is like this interesting portrayal of each officer by each other officer. Okay. Um, you know, and I think there's this sentiment that Ozel w- was just this like idiot sync, uh, sycophant that just you know sucked it up to the empire exactly to the emperor well i mean in it then that's kind of how it usually goes anyways i mean mm. i feel like with most stories you read the the way like the thought process goes i mean like think of thrawn mm. like the very first thrawn novel like that all it was was like the the reason so many uh admirals ended up in their command is because of people they knew yeah. it was all about connections and families and exactly. stuff like that it wasn't about always, experience yeah and that's always been thrawn's weak spot exactly the politics the politics as, as discussed not that long ago <laughs> but but then there's kind of like Pia is just like he kind of goes to the far extreme where he's like purely like I'm just going like I'm biding my time. I'm making a play to be the next emperor or whatever. And it's like it's so comical because like the portrayal of Pia is just so he's like, very peevish like, and just so yes. reserved. Um, whereas like there is kind of this like grudging respect for veers that it's like yeah he actually is competent he knows what he's doing yeah um i would go i would follow veers into battle like and even towards the end like the, his troops are like we're going to save you like yes his troops didn't even waste any time they're like we want you to survive yeah You're two cr- yeah two fun little easter eggs with that are you familiar with like who like the pilots of his atat are i am not i can't remember the exact like spoonerisms they use but so there's this really humorous uh twitter account called veers watch yes i've heard of veers watch i've heard of him yes so the actual guy who runs veers watch is one of the pilots <gasps> and then alex damon from uh, star wars explained is the other pilot no yeah that's hilarious <laughs> oh. so well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so very fun little Easter egg there. Um, and what I and what I even appreciate about that is that so it's written by Christy Golden, who mm-hmm. is one of the rare like expanded universe uh, authors. Like she was in all of like the big series, uh, like Legacy of the Force and yeah. Fate of the Jedi. I know the name. I, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I've read at least one of her novels at this but point. A, but she's like one of the only ones that have really kept on going. Uh, like her and like John Jackson Miller are the only ones that I can th- name off the top of my head. I guess you but, could consider Zahn. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's the only other but that's one. like, he's like writing his own. Star oh yeah. Wars yeah. Story. He, <laughs> like, he is Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah well. But that's a good point. Uh, but those are the only two that I, I can kind of think of that have done stuff on both sides. Sure. Uh, so that's another one of my favorites. Sure. True is poor. Well, to keep it in line, since you're going that way, I'm going to go for a rebellion story. Okay. Uh, this one, I don't know if you would have picked or not, but personally, I enjoyed the way it was, uh, I guess you could say, uh, depicted, especially because like, you and I both listened to the audiobook of this. So yes. it's the narration more than anything else. And the way they actually did this one up, I really enjoyed. It's called A Naturalist on Hoth. Okay. It's written by Hank Green. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about this gentleman named uh, Kel Tokani, and he was a naturalist that served uh, with the Alliance to restore the Republic on the planet Hoth. He chose this place where Echo Base was to be established, and then he also chose to remain on the planet after the Battle of Hoth. Yes, to protect the wildlife. He goes full native. It's it's pretty incredible, but like the way the way the story is told, it's it's kind of like if you're familiar with uh, how in certain video games, like say Bioshock, something like that, you could pick up uh, audio recordings, and it kind of gives you a background of like what has happened, you know, through certain uh, areas of certain games. 
the way it's depicted is like he is he is actually dictating all of his uh, naturalist finds. Um, and it sounds like it's just on a reel to reel tape or something like that. Exactly. And there's a point where like he has to he has to be like, like, you know, mom, dad, like this is what I want. You know, when the war is done. Send someone for me. Yeah. I will be with the Tauntauns. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's still, I mean, it's, it seemed kind of silly, but it's like, it was also just kind of a, it was a very pure story mm. because it's one of those things that you, it's, it's another one of those things about Star Wars that you just never think of. And it's the wildlife. Right. It's kind it's kind of easy to take it, it, take it all for granted. And I think we really do sometimes we talk about like what, that, like every time the rebellion comes up against a new species, they usually end up killing it. Or something, yes. right? And like yeah. you look at the Wampa, you look at the Tauntaun, stuff like that. And like now you actually have this character who comes along and like respects the creatures for what they are. Yes. And is just trying to categorize them like, you know, so, like a Charles Darwin or something like exactly. that. Exactly. So I just think for that matter and just the way that it's really depicted in the audiobook, it's one of those ones you want to keep an eye out for. Yes. I, so again, Naturalist I, on Hoth. I firmly agree with that one. That was one. So, I mean, just not to like make this seem like, oh, I'm not making my own selections here. No, but, no, no. But I kind of got to a point with my last one or two stories, like to get down to actual five. That, yeah. <clears throat> that I was like, okay, which ones am I putting on this list? So I just kind of searched out other people's favorite stories. And the first, like every list that I read included that story as one of their favorites. It's, so, I mean, it's one of those ones that kind of stood out from the pack. Cause it wasn't just a narrated story. It was actually like, Oh, I'm hearing someone's inner dialogue. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like just making their own yeah. scientific report on a, on a reel to reel or something like yeah. that on a tape deck. For sure. Like the, so. the presentation was very novel. Exactly. And I think that was enhanced by the audiobook mm-hmm. format. Like it might not have been the same if you were just reading it. Yeah, I think it, it, it would just be a lot more parentheses and, and uh, italicizing. <laughs> exactly. I find, <laughs> it, I find like, it very interesting that it's... When you said Hank Green, I went, oh, like the Hank Green I'm aware of? Of like Vlogbrothers fame and brother of author John Green of Turtles All the Way Down. Well, yeah, the John Star- Green, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It? Yeah, it is. It okay. is his brother. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. That's interesting. Who does come from a science background? Well, then well, that yeah, makes I it do, even more yeah. impactful. So he's he's definitely he's watched a bit of like BBC World and stuff like that. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Big uh, David Attenborough fan. Yes, I can see that. So yes, that's my choice. Uh, a naturalist on Hoth. All right. So my next one, and I have a feeling we might pause on this one for a little bit. Again. Okay. We're talking Rendezvous Point. Ooh, it is on my list. Okay. By Jason Fry. So I actually got this and Rogue 2 confused, I yes. think, for the longest I, time. Well, agreed. So Rogue 2, which is another story, and that's Zev Sineska. And he's yes. the one that... He found them. Echo Base? <laughs> I found, found them. Repeat, I found them. Yes. Good morning. But Sorry. So he's the one that actually crashes into Veers' AT-AT. Oh, my so God. So they both die. Yes. So he's what it takes about. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but but Rendezvous Point focuses mostly on Wedge Antilles and his, like, old school Rogue Squadron novel. Yes. Exo West Jansen. So, yes, for even to that end. So I, I did a little research on this, and apparently, like, they did bring back a lot of, uh like, actual like x-wing story like uh, bait yes we do yeah i mean we even get a very heavy-handed uh easter egg of aaron polestack is one of the pilots they want to recruit uh to reform rogue squadron slash red squadron uh but aaron alston and michael stackpole 
ah, are the two authors that uh, wrote the, the X-Wing series well, of that's, novels. <laughs> now that's a cool little tidbit. I like that. Yes. Can I add one more fun fact for this before you go on? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so the lady that they... Uh, that they're dealing with, like the one like trainer, the I guess. Contessa. You know, the Contessa. The Contessa. She's actually popped up before in in uh, in like in novels, mm-hmm. and particularly the one that I keep trying to get you to get on, Lost Stars. Yes. The Corona <laughs> Squadron that um, the one of the main antagonists is in, like for the Rebellion, is led by the Contessa. And so I thought it was a very fun little Easter egg for the fact that the Contessa is also working with Wedge. Because Wedge is also the person who convinces said person to join the Rebellion in Lost Stars. So it's a weird thing of, like, they met Wedge, they joined the Rebellion, and now they're on a on a squad with the Contessa, who also had this strange interaction in this book with, with Wedge. So it, it was just a cool little, like, okay, so they're not letting this character go off. Yeah. And I like that they explored her story a little more, because even to that end, I think the Contessa is, like, ultimate story at the end of Lost Stars was something like, uh, once the Battle of Endor was over, her she was up for re-election on her planet or <laughs> oh, something like that. Even though course. she basically explains that, like, my whole family died. Yeah. So well, I thought, I'm still the yeah, Contessa. Like, that's, like, what I kind of read up. Like, I, I noticed that just there was, like, something kind of weighty about right. when reading this story that it's, like, the Contessa. Like, I mean, could you really not think of some random name? Or like, why couldn't this be? So I don't know, Mon Mothma or somebody. But even to that end, it directly. I think for me, like if you had if you had read like the Lost Stars or even just something relevant to it, like that, it okay, that makes more sense to you. Like it made sense to me. I'm sure it would have made sense to you. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I'm happy that they're still acting like it's a viable thing and they're not just forgetting about it. Like, no, I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> like not like like certain uh, sources of media. <laughs> Star you mean Wars. one that we maybe reviewed like a few weeks ago, uh, uh, involving n- video games and well, there's that. I was friends. Just, I was just going to say like you know the like a theater going experience most recently. <laughs> well, also that, <laughs> um, but I'm not going to get into that. That that whole yeah. Anyways, yeah. but I mean that's exactly what it comes down to. Is just I like. You know, obviously Wedge is one of those just minor characters that gets a lot of love. Oh my god, I mean, yeah. But so even to that end, let me ask you this. With the story being the way it's told, like, does this really reflect what the X Wing books were? Was it that's kind of Joshy? Was it like was it really just like, oh, this is a ragtag crew we have to bring together? Well, I would say yes. It captures the spirit of it. Mm. Um you know, I, I didn't, I mean, obviously it, it is a long one. I mean, it, I yeah. think like narratively it was like over an hour. It, yeah. It's, it's one of the longer stories of the yeah. whole Yeah. I book. mean, it, it almost felt more like a novella than like a true short story. Yeah. I don't know how many book pages it would have been, <laughs> but I'm guessing it had to have been 70, 80 pages if at that. least. Um, so you still don't get necessarily all of that detail and all of the banter that you sometimes get with the the pilots that they do end up recruiting. It's true. Um, but just like that back and forth between Wedge and Wes and like the kind of pranking that they're constantly doing on one another. You know, the, the pranks were fun. Yes. Uh, I, I like the fact that like whenever they got the crew together, they just did like a sim flight. They all got in like flight sims and stuff like that. And even just hearing them describe like the actual fight that they end up getting into. Yes. Cause the consensus of the whole story, I've, I, I feel like we haven't even said this yet. The idea is that, they they are at the rendezvous point where they're supposed to meet the rest of Rebel Intelligence. After Echo Base, everyone scatters and they're supposed to meet at this point, right? But they're also waiting on Luke, Han, and Leia. 
like three of the higher ups of Rebel Command at this point. And so <clears throat> Mon Mothma at one point says, we got to leave because our supply lines are getting dogged by these pirates and we don't have enough people to really take them out. And that's where Wedge is tasked to put together a group of fighters to go out and take care of it. And that's really it. Yes. But I, I liked it. And like, that's that's another one of those like lists of books that I need to get into. Because like I said, I'm, I'm halfway through like the new Jedi Order myself. Like, uh-huh. So I'm nearly done with that. And I would like to get onto the X-Wing books next because that just they always just seem like they were right up there. Uh just just begging to be read. I don't know. That's yes. me. Yeah. So I guess I will read off real quickly. Let me see if I can put this all together. Lieutenant Commander Wedge Antilles at that point. Mm. I don't know that I would have guessed that. Uh <laughs> and Lieutenant Wes Jansen. And I believe Jansen is like the gunner he for is. Wes. Yes, or, that's for exactly Wedge. why he lives. He's like, it, Nice shot, Jansen. Yeah. That's that guy. Exactly. Um but like they're essentially the only ones that actually show up at the rendezvous point, which is ridiculous. Yes, so out of the whole squadron. That's where I started. Um, but so then we have recruit. He recruits Bella Elar and Will Scotian, mm-hmm. who are already experienced pilots, to lead their own flights within the squadron. Until he's told Jansen he did not want to use the rogue group name due to losses suffered so soon after the Battle of Hoth. Instead, until he settled on resurrecting Red Squadron, blah, blah, blah. Antilles and Jansen then listed off potential pilots. Uh, Aaron Polstack, but he's on special assignment. Antilles and Jansen alternated suggestions, settling with a variety of newcomers, including Kizar Salm, the younger brother of Horton Salm, who had flown with them before, mm. Barlin Hightower, Sinda Tarheel, Silacot, Ixistra, Ixtra, <laughs> Grizz Fricks, Penzauli, and Tomer Darpin. I love these names. Yeah. Like, those I didn't, are some Star Wars E names. I was saying, like, I didn't read any of them, but just having them, like, back and forth, because that's that is the point in the book where they're like, you're not going to like my next name. They're basically doing what we're doing right now. Yes. They're not going to like this. Number yeah. five. <laughs> yeah. Zeb Sineska. No. Exactly. It was, I mean, it was just fun and enjoyable yes. and like there are real stakes and it is obviously this transformative moment, but it's like what I loved about the expanded universe, mm-hmm. like brought into context for the new age. And it seems like such a small thing, but it makes that much more. They buy them time for everyone to meet at the rally point. Exactly. That's, that's the point. So very good choice. Thank you. My next choice <clears throat> is we're moving on to the bounty hunters. Nice. And none Ooh. other than my favorite bounty hunter uh, pick uh, is Tooth and Claw yes. by Michael Kogue or Michael Kogi? Kogi. Kogi. Uh, this is following the bounty hunter Bosk, and he is searching for a mysterious freedom fighter, uh, Wookiee freedom fighter, when he gets a call from the Empire. And essentially the story is him waiting in, in this asteroid belt for this like supposed freedom fighter to come through here. It's a liberator, I guess I should say. Uh, but uh, the little backstory on the Trandoshans versus Wookiees, they really hate each other. Uh, they are at war with each other constantly. Trandoshans hunt down Wookiees, and they and the Wookiees just don't know why. <clears throat> it's like some 1984-level stuff. Like, it's, it's very... We've always been at war with... <laughs> well, that, and, that, and that goes into what this story is. This is all following from his perspective, and like... It's very interesting to hear his inner dialogue because it's it seems very reptilian, and also the fact of the matter this is narrated by my favorite narrator, which is Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson brings one hundred and ten percent to any voice he does. It's it's perfect, and so just hearing him like you know just 
doing is like, what are you doing? Like doing, <laughs> doing the boss voice and everything. And just the fact of the matter, he's going up against a ship full of Wookiee refugees. It's Bosk versus like all these you know, big burly, you know, it's just, oh, I love it. And eventually he finds the freedom fighter uh, and he doesn't, it, 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 I don't want to spoil that part. Right. I really don't want to spoil that part because it is a really great reveal of who the freedom fighter is. But for the fact of the matter is that eventually he needs to get, he needs to bargain with the freedom fighters so he can get the coordinates to actually go to the meeting with the Empire because they interrupted it or something yes, like they, that. They intercepted his signal. His transmission. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so like if he wants to make it to actually meet Darth Vader and get the, you know, the bargain and all that, he's got to work out a deal. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great story, and it's cool because you also get you get a little bit of like Wookie lore, yes. Like the way that they build their ships, yes. apparently they, out of wood, they out of wood, out of Rocher wood, yes. It, it all, not only that, but they all they all look like uh, bowcasters, apparently. Like yeah. their ships have that like style, according feel, to what they're yeah. saying. I feel like you see that like a little bit. Like there's like one just kind of like Wookie in atmosphere speeder that you see like in revenge of the sith or oh, yeah look at i mean like it's like the ones with the wings right yeah that's practically what it is it's just a backwards bowcaster yeah you know so you're so you are telling me that wookie starships are wooden they are wooden no joke because there's a point where like it, it, it all right this is what no this is what makes it cool because rosher wood is <laughs> rosher wood is magic it's magic Okay. It's, like imagine. I was gonna say how uh, how do how do they not cat like what's the propulsion system? So, how does that work? Wood like so they actually have just regular metal and stuff like that. The, the okay. wood is more of just <laughs> like the, the hull. The hull. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> to the point where I guess they actually have like a play area. Like there's a point where they describe in the story that like there's a uh, a nursery of sorts. For like Wookiee cubs, so they could swing and climb and stuff like yeah. that. But it's still like the trick. Like it, there's a point where like Bosk in his inner dialogue goes, "It's like the the Rocher Woods impervious to anything." And he goes, "Well, almost anything except Trandoshan claws." Yeah, and like they can just dig into the wood like it's nothing. Yeah, that's yeah, because they're natural enemies or yes. something. Very, yes, exactly. <laughs> that just goes into the whole weird allure of Trandoshans versus <laughs> Wookies. Yeah. So that was so that I will say was one of those just missed for me. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, but I'm glad because now we're getting more stories in. I guess. Well, that's so. just it. Like I it was hard to pick because there, ultimately there are four big bounty hunter stories yeah. to choose from. Yeah. And it's hard to choose just one. This one was my personal favorite just because I liked the overall surprise and everything that came around it. Agreed. So, but anyways, as you say. So my next one is Vergence Ooh, oh. by Tracy Dion. Mm. So again, as you were talking earlier, Connor, not a whole lot of, not necessarily that many ca- <clears throat> characters that we see on screen. Mm. I don't know why I can't talk right now. <laughs> um, okay. But so this story is told from the perspective of the evil cave on Dagobah. That's right. I was, I always got this. Wait, the evil cave is the narrator? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was okay. a, it was this or disturbance. I always get those confused. Well, yeah, disturbance is the Palpatine story, <laughs> which is good. Yes, but it's not on my list. Correct. Uh, so, anyways, virgins. Um, yes, yeah, so virgins. It is told from the perspective of the cave of evil on Dagobah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and we learned that the cave is actually just really misunderstood. <laughs> But it learns about hubris. I just want to be friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why does everyone hate me? It learns about hubris as Yoda comes to the cave repeatedly to uh, yeah. kind of not just 
look for like Yoda is there to like look for answers. He's looking for the worst possible thing that can happen. He's like seek he's seeking the fear and stuff like that. He's seeking the pain. Exactly. It's his kink, if you will. Yeah. Exposure <laughs> but he's therapy. Also, yeah. Exposure therapy. But yeah. he's there to test himself and test his resolve as a, a oh. Jedi. And so yeah, I mean, so it's basically like the cave itself is not intrinsically evil, but it just pulls on and draws on the strongest emotions that people give off. And I mean, that's that you can imagine like uh, how Yoda felt during order 66. He's probably pouring that same emotion each time he does his meditations and stuff like that. Exactly. Well, I mean, so to give a little background on like legends lore of said cave, I think it was the Thrawn trilogy, the original Thrawn trilogy where it was found out that it was like a, it was like a transponder or something like that. It was a Sith transponder yes. that was in there. Yeah. Like it was legitimately like a piece of technology that made the cave evil. Yes. Now it's sentience, I think, is what they're going for in the yeah. new canon. Yeah. And well, it's in... the force. It's the force. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I think the old like legends perspective was that the cave was actually, I mean, it, well, it obviously was like a dark side kind of beacon, yeah. but so like Yoda actually used it to, like hide himself. That's right from, from the Empire. like Vader and yeah, the Emperor. Yeah, it was so, so strong with it, it masked his signature. Uh, okay, yes. that makes a little more sense. Yeah, I think that was the idea too. That because there's a, there's a story about Yoda in the first from a certain point of view book mm. that also follows the fact that like it's just his daily rounds, but there are still like pro droids out there looking for survivors, and he still has to fight them on a daily basis. Almost, you know. Yeah, and so that kind of goes into well, this is what the cave could be too. At yes, that point. exactly. But it it's just like this actually like really interesting and like like almost like Shakespearean kind of coupleting. It of is just like the back and forth between Yoda and the cave. Well, eventually and, he's like, he's like, you're I am not some tool for which you can use to teach. You yeah. Know, like I am sentient. Like yeah. I am. I am me. Like he is speaking about me when he says the cave. Like you know, it's like it's very, it is very weird. But the it's like, the way it's spoken, it, yes. it as it's very poetic in its own way. Yeah, I, I actually found this one article. I don't, I don't know who wrote it. I'm, I apologize. Yeah. Um, it's from a second called forty or a, a website called forty five seconds fr. So apparently it's in French, and actually a lot of stuff is in French on here. We oui, we. Oui. Um, but it says. That, you know, the, the context is that the cave relies on time, thoughts, memories, and fear. Makes sense. And so all of those things normally only happen once in terms of people that come to visit the cave. But sure. Yoda keeps coming back. Yes. And it just like the cave kind of gets beaten down by Yoda's recurrence. It's his determination. <laughs> like, yo, little green man, I'm yeah. running out of material. Yeah. You got to stop this. <laughs> What, you did the same thing today as I had yesterday? <laughs> the usual? The usual. So that, that was a very good choice. I think, uh, what are we up to now? I think it's, uh, we're at four? Yes, I've given four stories. So that's my number, my, my next one is number four. So, uh, to that end, I'm going to pick this for number four. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Faith in an Old Friend. That by, one is my number okay. five. So by Brittany N. Williams. Yes. And this is L337 making her triumphant return. Ooh. Also alongside the Millennium Collective. Yes. That is a great name. That's a great name. And uh, it is the L3- Millennium Collective. L337 okay. and the Millennium Collective have a conversation with C3PO and more. So it's been said before, and I don't know if we've said it on here, but we can bring it up again. The Millennium Falcon 
has three brains. Yes. So jot that down. First of all, there are three uh, there are three brains within the computer of uh, said Millennium Falcon. Uh, one of them now being L337 we saw with the events of Solo, a Star Wars story. And this story revolves around her and the the way that she talks to her. I think it, they even like refer like at one point she has to like look up the word like one of the other computers has to look up the word sister. So there's three sisters now, and they decided to call themselves the Millennium Collective because I think the way that they worked it out, it's it one droid was an espionage droid, one droid was like a oh was it just an actual like maintenance droid or something like that, mm-hmm. and then you had L three, which was just a hodgepodge of everything. She was espionage, she was protocol, astromech, all this stuff, and so with, together they all kind of worked to make you know the Millennium Falcon as weird and unique as it is. And if you remember the point where the Millennium Falcon is in the asteroid belt and Han tells him to plug in the professor, you know, so he could talk to the, you know, talk to the brain and see what's going on. And so there's a conversation where C-3PO is like, we need to know what's wrong with the hyperdrive. And L3 is basically just like, you got to tell Han to stop being cheap. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you got to tell him to start getting some yeah. high-end stuff. Yeah. Wait, so here's my biggest question is who do they have to do the voice in the audiobook? Please <laughs> so, tell me. No, this is fun. It's not the lady who does it. Yeah, oh. It's not Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But they have, because there, I love her. There are three. There are three main like female narrators: um, Samil Nankani, uh-huh. um, uh, January Lavoy, January Lavoy, and the other one is uh, Emily Su- Wuzeller. Yes. Emily Wuzeller, and all three of them each do a voice. Yes. Of a okay, brain. that's cool. I forget I think... who does what. I think Emily Wu does the uh, the very chirpy one who's trying to get definitions most yes. of the time. Yes. Which I think is the espionage yeah. one. That's the one who's learning, constantly learning how to do things. Yeah. And she also has a relationship with Will or um, Treadwell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Treadwell, the uh, the repair droid, the little uh, Rob looking that we, droid. Yeah, that we see on in Mando season two. Yes, all over the place. He uh, he has a little camera. And apparently he is a wise talker because at one point he's like, hey, you think I'm just freezing my treads off over here or what? You know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. One of those guys. Yes. Uh, but I, yeah. Yeah. I want to say it's January Lavoie that does L3's voice. That would make some sense. Uh, yeah. Because like, I feel like Sunil and Ankani kind of she's like the most serious of them. She is. So she would probably be like the diagnostic droid. Exactly. Just going through it. Yeah. I could see that. But all the same, uh, it was it's fun because it follows right up to the point where they escape uh, Cloud City mm-hmm. and R2D2 has to plug in and they you know they get the message that hey the yeah. hyperdrive was deactivated and blah blah blah. But that it's just also like you get to see the frustration that L three experiences now because she's just a part of the ship. And there's also a cute moment with her and Lando, which yes. I thought was cool. Yep. You know, because like at one point there's Lando comes on the ship and just, you know, it says it's like L3 is like nothing was ever the same since you left. And then like he like looks at the star map and the star map switches from ha or um from the Bespin to Kessel. Yes. And he sees that and he goes, oh, like, OK, now that's something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I thought that I, mean, I thought that was a cute little detail, you know, just to kind of come back at it. No, I fully agreed. I mean, it. it I like as close as it comes to me having a favorite story, this one probably is it. And just like, and the language just feels so authentic to L3. And it, it, again, it is this more expansive story, kind of like my last example, uh, or well, my example, a couple stories ago, rendezvous (laughs) point. Yes. Um, where you just, you really spend time with this character and, 
and just the portrayal feels so authentic to what we see from Solo. That, exactly. Like it, it was like just kind of heart wrenching in a lot of ways. And it's like, and especially because you, it, like, you understand what it means for her now. It's like she was all about freedom and rebellion and blah blah blah. Like she was her own person. She was independent. And now she is restricted to the the droid brain of you know a ship that she flew around this whole time. So in a way, it's kind of poetic, but like it's you know how poetic can you really be? It's almost sad, you know. Yeah. It, in that sense, uh, I don't know. It's For sure, very Shakespearean, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I already used that. All right, sorry. <laughs> well, hey, you can use whatever you want for the next one because it's your choice. Number five. Well, that was my final one on oh, my list. Okay. So. Well, if you want, I can bring up my. This is the one I personally would have picked for my number one, so to speak. Okay. Say, bring us home, finish it strong. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> you know this one? Yeah. Uh, by Kevin Scott. Yes. And this brings back the Legends character, Jackson. Uh, and he's hopefully uh, trying to meet with uh, Lando to work out a little deal. And there's a fun little detail about this. Uh, there, at one point, during his inner dialogue as he's walking through the through Cloud City... Uh, he like gets spotted by a couple ladies and he goes, take a good look, sister. I'm the stuff of legends. And I was like, that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so I didn't know anything about Jackson before I heard this story. And, um, going into it, I suddenly discovered Jackson is a, like a six foot tall rabbit. Uh, yes. basically <laughs> <Yeah. The> sp- <laughs> and he, and the way the narrator does his voice, um, it's uh, it kind of comes off as Roger Rabbit, you know. That, <laughs> yes, you know, that guy. That's I'm great. So <laughs> Jackson is a leppy, which is essentially like I said, just a six foot foot tall rabbit, long ears and everything. I think like green skin or something like that. But his whole deal is he's trying to kind of come off as Lando. Like he's very stylized. He's got the cape. He's got the Rondo hide boots. He's got everything. He's just trying to you know, put on a good front. And then he has this whole interaction with Lando and he's trying to like work out a deal. He's like, I'm not into smuggling anymore, but I am. And he's just going back and forth with the guy. And apparently like, I guess Jackson was already like a, a bit nebby in the original, like legends. I don't know. Like just a he's bit just, nebby. He's just, it's a very Pittsburgh. Thing We're say. getting so regional. I'm sorry. Love it. But like, he's just very, one of the, you know, one of the, there's a, there's a point where he has to, you know, he gets kicked out of Lando's office, but he also sees that Lando has this like valuable chest of, you know, treasures or something like that. And he's like, I'm going to sneak in there and get that. And at one point he's like, Oh, well, Lando's going to this dinner. I'm going to show up at the dinner and surprise him. He opens up the dinner door and who's there. It's Darth Vader and a bunch of stormtroopers. And he goes, sorry, wrong room. And like closes the door and runs away. And it turns out (laughs) it's this whole thing. And he gets chased down, chased by the stormtroopers. It's so good. It's like, See you later, suckers. Like he's got like it's it, legitimately yeah. was really funny. Like and like I I appreciated it because it came out of nowhere. I didn't know who the character was until like we Googled it. And yeah. Everything. And it's just like, oh my god. <laughs> and like it just and that just goes into what you know Legends was like. I mean, we were talking before about the X Wing series, and you've brought this up before. <laughs> they not only did they have a Gamorrean pilot, but they had a horse pilot. Yes. Like a pilot with a horse's head. Like that. That's just what they did. And presumably hooves. I really don't know <laughs> how, how they held the gear. Yeah, how they yeah. held the stick. Oh. That's right. <laughs> Admiral yeah. Sea Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, so fake it till you make it. Uh, like I said, just. 
just a fun little story. Yeah. And like one of those ones where it, it was it was one of those ones that it surprised me so much. It introduced me to a character I didn't think I would ever care about. But it had a very heartwarming little ending. It is it is genuinely a heartwarming story in a sense. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, in the, the same, like if you find Lando to be like a heartwarming character, yeah. then you will find Jackson to be, be the same. Word. Yeah. Uh and I kind of want to put uh at least one uh honorable mention out there at the end of this. I think you and I could both agree on this, Andrew. Go for it. The Will Strike Back. Oh yes. By Tom Angleberger. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is a reference to in the first, from a certain point of view, there is a, uh, it's just called, I think the journal of the wills, uh, but it's the very last story of the book. And this is the continuation of that. Now in the very first book, the wills are Jonathan Davis and Mark Thompson two two of the, like the high, you know, most prolific, like narrators yes. of Star Wars novels. And, um, they both play just guardians of the wills, wills to guard the, you know, the, if the force, I guess I don't, I don't know how else to really put it, but it's up to them to tell the story of Star Wars, and so you know how at the beginning they have the uh, the crawl, the opening crawl, you know, a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Well, essentially that just leads into this, and it's it's them going back and forth about being like, excuse me, like you know, are you, you know, is this really how you want to interrupt it? Like, was it really that long, long ago? And it's like, I'm the one telling the story here. And it's like, okay, all right, fine. You know, but it's like <laughs> back and forth. And so they came back for this one, the will strike back. And it's, it's just as yeah, good. It's, it's so funny. And like, they just cut up constantly on like the actual <laughs> word choices of the opening crawls. They're like, like, <laughs> I'm just imagining this as, um, like Statler and Waldorf. Oh no, it's, it's, that's it, what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, because at one that's point awesome. you guys was like, Excuse me, you said Starfleet? It's like, are Kirk and Spock going to show up next? Like, it, it doesn't exactly <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's like, it's so good. And it's like, and there are just so many little details that they throw in there. Like, one point he's like, are you, you're telling me you're just, what? Like, Will Roach just going to run around in the background? Like, what, is that it? Like, you know, it's just, you're going to forget about Will Roach Hood and his story and blah, blah, blah. It's all, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, let's put it this way. If you get through the first 39, 39 stories, stories. <laughs> this is worth it because yeah. it's just that funny, you know, and I, I would recommend it to anyone who ever gets their hands on either the first one or this one. Yes. Just to at least make it to this. And I, story. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, they took the concept from the first show or from the first book and they just like went way past that. Oh my God. Yeah. Like for this story. So, well, that, I mean, and ultimately, I mean, you got to imagine at the very least we're coming back for return of the Jedi. At this for point. sure. And so what does that mean for the wills? The wills are going to complete the journey or something like that. I'm so excited <laughs> yes, for it when it the, finally happens. Yeah. Can they, can they make up? Can they get along? Can they get along? And it, well, we shall see. Yes. Oh my God. Only time will tell. Is there any uh, honorable mentions for you? Yeah. So I guess the, I mean, among others that I enjoyed uh, and I feel like it always has to be mentioned because it's kind of like the one outlier mm -hmm. is the story called wait for it wait for it oh wait uh, all right go ahead which is the boba fett story mm. in which we learn sort of his methodology for how he knows to track solo wait for him in the trash pile wait, yes exactly and then he also like intentionally misleads all of the other bounty hunters exactly uh including dengar and ig88 who then we get their story like almost immediately afterwards, and it's hilarious. It is a really good story. It's a team up. 
Yeah, like it's the unlikely duo, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's and basically IG eighty eight just plotting all the ways that he can kill, kill Dengar. Dengar the entire time. It's so good. It's <laughs> what you expect this from big IG eighty eight. Diaper headed idiot. Yeah, yes. and, and apparently Dengar, despite looking like a big old diaper headed idiot, is very into poetry lately. So oh, yeah, it's like, do not do your poetry with me. Coralian or whatever. Oh my God. uh, But then also just what I find so humorous is as it was with original from a certain point of view, uh, John Hamm yeah. provides the voice for Boba Fett. Which is just hilarious. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's the only story he does, and it's the only story he's done in either of these. And it's fine. Yeah. And, like, it's, and it's, it's like, cool. is this what, like, the, you know, vision of Boba Fett in his own mind is? <laughs> he thinks he's just that he's Mad John Hamm. Yeah. <laughs> So you I just imagine so, outwardly he sounds like Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Well, that's his just internal it. monologue. <laughs> yeah. John Hamm. Jesus okay. But, so now obviously have to imagine he's coming back for uh oh, Return to. of the Jedi. And, and it's going to be ridiculous, probably. <laughs> just because I mean he plays it like John Hamm would play it. Just like I am cool. I know yeah. what is going Very on. Very Don Draper esque yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, oh my god. So I just had to bring that one up. I mean, there's a Honestly, there's a lot of very enjoyable ones. I mean, we talked about like Ray Sloan makes an appearance, which was not one I was expecting. Well, there's also just I mean, we did expect the the rock or the um the, the Exogorth, yes. the this space slug the space to have slug. their own story. And it was a it was actually kind of enjoyable. Like it wasn't like a all right, well how long is this gonna last? It was like Oh my God! Like this, it, there's actually a bit of emotion behind. But, it. Yeah, but butterflies. Yeah, that, yes, the butterflies. Oh my God, the butterflies. But still, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's story it's stories like that that'll catch you off guard. Or even like I said, fake it till you make it. I never would have known about Jackson. Yeah. But and if you want to get really sad, there's the story from the perspective of Mura. <gasps> she will keep them warm. She will keep them warm. Uh, the, sli- the sleeping bag. Which yes, is the such sleeping an bag. Awful. <laughs> It is an awful, awful double entendre. Oh my god, it's so bad, but it's so good. <laughs> but it is an excellently written story. But like, you will probably cry by the end of it. Like, if you weren't crying already from Zam Wessel just having his terrible backstory, <laughs> I'm just saying this is good. It's right up there because it's like it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, she's she's gonna keep them warm, not the way you think. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, and I also the final one that I just want to bring up really quickly is the story called "But What Does He Eat?" Yes, this is another <laughs> one of those ones where it, it was like surprisingly interesting, and yes. it was about a Deveronian like celebrity chef. Yes, who had to cook for Darth Vader, Toro Zabazel. Yes, and it, it was a it was between her and her sous chef who was an Ugnot. I yeah. can't remember the sous chef's name. Yeah, I don't remember either. But this still. is on Cloud City. Yes. Yeah. Or this so is this like... is ahead of the okay. dinner party. Yeah, wherever he gets shot, and like they can see they can see everyone through like a trans the transparent wall or something like mm-hmm. that, right? And so they could see Darth Vader setting up, and then they see the whole interaction between like Han and. Darth and stuff like that. It's insane. <laughs> oh, snap. He just took that he just shot. shot. And like, yeah, he's like, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And then there's also another story on Cloud City that deals with the Ugnots. And yes. it talks about the Ugnots and their clans. And it's really adorable. Honestly, like, that's the one where I thought we would get uh, like, a, a Luke hand sighting. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> it's like, between that and I think The Witness, which was the other, like, other, like, prominent one that kind of took place there. Yeah. The Witness actually saw the fight. And, uh, so we saw the fight between Darth and uh, Luke, and we figured you would have saw something there. 
Nah, no dice. No. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have ones like uh, the man who built Cloud City, which is essentially just a crazy home. <laughs> King like, Yathros Condorius <laughs> the First. It is Prince Assassin. Yes, I can't remember the guy's name. It's it, which is literally like Don Quixote, just yes. reimagined. It's pretty to be much quite clear. Nice. And uh, <laughs> and then the Wilro's story. Yeah, Wilro Hood. His story was interesting. Do on back two. So, and like, I think his story was good and it could have been better. Yes. But like, I think the way they kind of came about it, I heard it referred to this way and I'm going to say it this way. They kind of play the Cam Tono that he carries like the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Because you never know, never what's, know inside what's inside it. of it. They play the whole story being like, you know, what's in the case? What's in this? What's in that? Well, yeah. good luck, you know? So. Uh, it's one of those things that kind of pop out there. And like I said, there's there's tons out there. I love the Dengar story. Uh, there's a, the only other story on Hoth that I can think of that I was surprised that I liked a lot was A Good Kiss. Yes. A Good Kiss was a it cute was, story. It was very good. Yeah, because yeah, it was about this guy who was a runner for Rebel for And the it's Rebel like base. one of the rare characters where you're like, it's that guy. It is legitimately a background character that yeah. you could point out. Yeah. There's a point where Luke or there's a point where Han and Leia are like arguing with each other in Echo Base. This is before the battle. And like, come on, huh? You you you're like admit it. And at one point when he says admit it, they they back against a wall and this guy comes and in between passes. Them. It's that guy. It's his story. And, <laughs> yeah. he, and like, and even in his story, he's like, Oh, come on. Solo and Organa are at it again. And like, cause I guess yeah. it's like a big thing. The, even so much that like the, they're taking bets. Yeah. The, uh, the betting pool in the, <laughs> like the command center that Everyone's, we also hear about, like we hear about it in like six different stories. Uh, everyone's betting on the touring Fars story. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Stand by ion control lady. Yes. yes. Oh my Do God. Do you think, all of these authors had like, hey, there's going to be common threads we oh, could all harp on. Do you definitely. think there was just a big old group chat? Definitely. <laughs> I feel like it was just like it, it was. If it wasn't a group chat, then it was one of those things where they literally were just throwing things on the board and being like, everyone, make sure you got this. You know, as we talk Synergy. about that. Synergy. <laughs> so exactly. I uh, are there any other ones we want to bring up? Or <laughs> I mean, I think now we've listed half the books. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, um, I think uh, we can start with a new. We can. Finish out with our latest tradition. Yes. I, uh, uh, first of all, I'm gonna give this book four out of five. You yeah. Know, I honestly, like I said, it, I liked the first one a lot better. I mm. uh, not saying that this one didn't hold up. Uh, I just it was more of a slog to get through. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just there's so much more fun elements of Star Wars. Yeah. Than of Empire. That's like, all. Just not a lot of really. It's a, it's like, a down note. Yeah. yeah that's that's <laughs> that's the sad part of it. But yeah. it's it is true. Just like. Well, I mean, it's funny because like on one hand i would view it as like the wittiest of the original trilogy it's true but like at the same time again you just you suffer from a lack of extra characters you suffer from just like the actual subject matter itself is a downer well i mean so. we're talking about like you know in, in the future presumably they're going to be making a return of the jedi right yes you imagine just uh jabba's palace if, alone yeah. if they execute <laughs> it as well as they executed this one with like the story beats of return of the Jedi. I feel like it's just going to be like to the moon for sure. <laughs> so right up there, uh, recommend it. Uh, hopefully you guys like it. Uh, yeah. I will also it give it a four out of five. Four out of five. I'll give it a four and a half. Out of four to five. Okay. Four and a half. I was going to ask you to do like your, your 32nd elevator pitch of it. Your descriptions of the stories you sold me. <laughs> well, I do fair. very much want to 
Probably not read, but I do want to. I want to listen to this audio. Well, if we okay. ever if we ever get a chance to get sponsored by Audible, we'll give you a code, and then you can get it for free. Yeah, sure. get your first book free. <laughs> <laughs> Text five hundred five hundred. We gotta we gotta practice this. All right, hopefully one someday. Day. But anyways, uh, so with this, again, we're finishing out the episode with our uh, latest tradition. A quiz. A quiz. Uh, Andrew did our first quiz. Duncan did the quiz last week, and now it's my turn. now you're up. So what is this quiz, Duncan? So this quiz, Mr. Connor, is (laughs) your taste in men from Star Wars is really telling about how old you are. Oh, here we go. This is a BuzzFeed quiz. Let's do it. Let's see. So the subtitle, Adam Driver, John Boyega, and Timothy Oliphant? This is overwhelming. Oh, it is. Okay. So, first question. Pick a member of the Jedi Order. Anakin Skywalker, Qui-Gon Jinn, Cal Kestis, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mace Windu, or Count Dooku. Mm, I wanted you to say Plo Koon. <laughs> Dooku. Dooku. Yeah, All right. for sure. I was really hoping for Plo Koon. Pick someone who's worked for the Empire. General Armitage Hux. Kylo Ren, Finn, Bodhi Rook, Galen Erso, or Moff Gideon? Bodhi. Because he actually worked for the Empire. The first two were the First Order. Yeah. Duh, BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Duh. Okay. Also, he has a cool ponytail. Yes. Pick a scoundrel. Mm. Han Solo, DJ, or Lando Calrissian? DJ. I had a feeling. Yeah. Yep. Pick someone who can rock... Some Mandalorian armor. <laughs> Boba Fett. Django Fett. Din Djarin. Django Fett. Okay. I'm so sorry, but you have to pick one of these. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is literally what this question <laughs> is stated. Okay. Jabba the Hutt. Yoda. Jar Jar Binks. General Grievous. Hmm. IG-11. Supreme Leader Snoke. I'm going to go with uh, Grievous. Grievous it is. Yeah. It's a grievous mistake. Okay. Nice. Now pick one more. <laughs> Poe Dameron, Bail Organa, Luke Skywalker, Cassian Andor, Chirrut. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt that last name because I know I'd butcher it. But you Chirrut know Chirrut. Chirrut Ch- Okay. Perfect. Sorry. Or Co- Cobb Vanth. Oh, my God. He's so... Mm. Cobb Vanth is a tasty. He's yeah. so dreamy. <laughs> but, I mean, you have to go with the original daddy. Oh, okay. pick Cobb Vanth. So I, I picked Sorry, Cobb Vanth. I was going to pick Bail Organa. But <laughs> oh, okay. No, that's fine. I can go back. I can change this. I'm saying you can one. What? It's space Jimmy Smith. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, I would have gone with Cobb Vanth. And, no, I yeah, I mean, and it's not particularly close. It's just the midriff, man. That's all it is. All right. So who did I get? Or what did I get? So you got age 36 to 40. Hey! Close <laughs> not to that. that far it's not that far Your off. taste in men, and in Star Wars, is quite mature and refined. <laughs> like a fine that wine. Mean, that mean, yeah. <laughs> is that it? Is that That's the quiz. Nice. Sorry, right, it's easy enough. Well, do you want to take the other one? Nah, we'll save you that one Double or nothing? Time. Okay. Um, we'll do one quiz per week, because otherwise we'll just be giving up too much good stuff. 
That's right. But hey, if you want to get more good stuff, be sure to check us out at our Twitter at First Greedo, at First Greedo, all one word, or check us out on Instagram at Greedo Shot First Podcast, all one word. That's Greedo Shot First Podcast, all one word. And while you're there, uh, you can check out our website. We have a link there for Reggie'sHousePodcast.com where we have all of our previous episodes. And you can also check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And while you're at Apple Podcasts, please don't hesitate to leave us a rate and review. It really helps the show moving forward and, uh, you know, just makes us look good and we feel good about it. We don't mind the uh, positive feedback. And especially with that, you can also get at us with any questions, comments, concerns, or just general praise. I don't know. Just do whatever you want. Uh, check us out at, uh, or email us at greedoshotfirstpod at gmail.com. Once again, that's greedoshotfirstpod at gmail.com. All, All one, one word. word. All one word. And with that, I got to say, this was a fun book club entry. I yes. think uh, logically, within the next couple weeks... Uh, we're going to be doing what would be our next book? I think the next book should be the first High Republic novel, Light it's of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. Have you started it yet? Yes. Okay, good. So we're on the way, but uh, we we're going to do a few episodes in between that. We'll we'll make sure to let you guys know when uh, when it's coming around. Yeah. And uh, in fact, we can even tell you what we're going to be doing next. Ooh, yes. Ooh. <laughs> for the, for at least the next three episodes, I yes. think is that we're going to be covering each arc of season seven of the Clone Wars. That's right. So with the next episode, we're going to be doing the Bad Batch arc, and then we're up to that. It's going to be the Martez sisters or the Martez sisters. I forget how they said. I think it's Martez. Martez, and then the final. And the finale will be the third episode after that. And once that's done, then the High Republic review. Yes. So. Uh, where else do you get a four-week preview? Of, <laughs> of our schedule moving forward. Yeah. Normally it's like, yeah, we'll squeeze that in. We'll, make it up. we'll do something. But we're on a, on a uh, trajectory right now to <laughs> deliver all of that. And then there oh. should be some more fun stuff coming up. After. Right after that. So. <laughs> and we're like always, I just want to say I had a great time. Brian, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Andrew, have a good time? It was a boring conversation anyway. I bet it was. Mm-hmm.